TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We do welcome you to the TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. Hope everybody out there had a tremendous weekend. It's a Tuesday, but it feels like we're coming back from a weekend. A little Martin Luther King Day. A lot of people had the day off of yesterday. I know our show was uh, taped because they closed the offices here at the TalkZone.com. We tried to get in. We pounded on the door. We begged to get in, but no, could not do it. We were ready to do the show. But instead, they played a replay of one of our scintillating shows from last week. So it feels like a Monday. It's like the start of a new week. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Two guys and a mic. It's the coach. That's me, John Cohen, and my partner on the other side of the line, the big dog, Joel Randwanski. Joel, how are you, buddy? Uh, doing absolutely fantastic, Coach. And uh, I enjoyed the Martin Luther Holiday observance yesterday. Well, there was basketball on from, what, like 8 in the morning until midnight. It, yep. You know, if uh, if you're an NBA fan, you absolutely loved it. If you're not, mm-hmm. you had to try to find something to do, like shampoo your dog or something like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Which you always want to do on Martin Luther King Day. By the way, I said you're on the other side of the line. That makes absolutely no sense at all. You are, in fact, on the other line, not in studio today, calling from your beautiful auspices uh, in Aurora. So you'll be co-hosting the show. You're not in studio. We'd rather have you here, Big Dog. I'd like to give you a big hug. But talking to you, like the commercial says, it's the next best thing. Well, I do appreciate that, Coach. What but a bunch I, of crap I, that is. I, I will assure you that when we get the lovables in studio in yeah. the next couple of weeks uh, <laughs> and a couple other stuff, I will be there yes. when this stuff happens, Coach. I promise you. Yes, very exciting. <laughs> we are webcasting the show. Very, very exciting. David Olson, by the way, told me right now apparently there's one camera in the studio, but soon, soon, Big Dog, and I have no idea why, they're going to put like three or four different cameras in. So okay. they can get me at all angles. I hope there's not one up high, though, because then it will picture the bald spot on the top of my head. Hopefully that one won't be installed hey, very coach. well. Yeah, but as old as you look, no one's going to think twice about it. Take you know it what I mean? Yeah, like if you actually had hair, people are like, check out the guy with the hair. You know, so <laughs> I, I really wouldn't be too self-conscious about it. And the fact that you have more hair than me, yes. it really bothers me, the fact that you're even talking about it. Yeah, but you have less hair by choice. You no, go well, ra- you go razor butt. You're like uh, buzz cut number four, right? Uh, actually, I go straight edge now, not just razor blade. Straight blood. edge. Yes. What does that exactly does that mean? Is that like the? Uh... It's like you know, like you hold it like a, it's like a handle coming out, and it's actually just really? a long straight edge, and you uh-huh. and you scrape your face with it. It's a little bit more hardcore. So normally, whenever I get a girl over, I want to impress her, I just go, "Hey, I got a shape," <laughs> and then I take the straight edge out, and then they then they're either getting out or putting out, Coach. Where do you get one of those? <laughs> like at Home Builders and <laughs> aisle number five at Home Builders, or where do actually, you buy? One of my one of my Mexican friends, Orhe. Oh, uh, here he's we go. part of the Latin Kings. He, they have them. Like, they have uh-huh. like four or five extra ones. So it's he, he actually got it for me. It's outstanding. By the way, speaking of uh, your many, many friends in the United Nations upon which you uh, relate to and, in fact, live with, yes. one of your fine roommates, I believe, uh, had a pretty impressive weekend on our Beat the Schmoes pro football picks uh, caller, Mahmoud. Yes. Who I yes. believe is a roommate of yours, uh, correctly. Picked the upset of the New York Jets over San Diego. He, he also. The, he, he said they would, he said forget about, the, forget about the points of my friend. I think is that what he said. He said they're going to win straight up. Yeah. 
And you then, have Makamud with 3-0 this week? Nope, nope, I nope, told you he was nope, a nope, expert, nope, 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 did have the misnomer, as many of us did, of picking the Dallas Cowboy. Oh, he picked, he said he picked the the Vikings, not the Cowboys. I got Dallas circled. I believe you. Be. I believe you. Well, I, I don't really trust him, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. He always looks suspicious all the time. And plus, he tried to sneak the Packers in as a victory this week, too. Oh, that's so, right. His first pick was Green Bay, and then we had to inform Mahmoud last week that uh, it's a great pick. Unfortunately, the Packers had been defeated the week before. Well, I don't. He was pretty alarmed by it, to be quite quite honest. He was taken <laughs> back. And yeah. I, after watching these particular games, I don't mind him for being too confused. Has there been a good playoff game yet, Coach? I um, mean, the the Jets and the Chargers was the, is the only thing close to being a good yeah. game, and it took a long time for it to get that way. That's been the biggest disappointment. We've seen great performances and some excitement in the game, certainly. But you're absolutely correct. Through the first two weeks of some potential. Great matchups. Remember how excited we were coming into this weekend? You are correct. The big disappointment is we have not had a game come down to the finish. We really haven't had that close, exciting, maybe overtime game. Disappointing. Yeah, it, it, and it's not just the, the, the closeness of the games, Coach. It, you know, I love running the football. I love punching the mouth football. I'm all about that stuff. I don't need you to fling it around a million times. I don't mind it passing like uh, like the, the the Arizona Green Bay game from a couple weeks ago. But what I really mind, it seems like there's a lot of teams playing not to lose. Mm-hmm. That's I'm getting that feel that's really driving me crazy. That like these teams, unless I make a mistake because we could lose, and, and and the Jets have kind of teetered on that of hey let's make a play to hey let's not make a mistake, and and it's kind of it gets kind of boring. And trust me, if they play the Colts next week and they play not mm-hmm. to lose, they're going to lose by about forty. Yeah, it's an interesting rematch from that controversial game at the end of the season. We're down to the final four. We've got three powerhouse teams, three favorite teams that won big and. Big dog, it could have been four, but San Diego was denied. Cinderella has indeed been invited to the ball, and Cinderella, wearing a rather large-sized double-D, extra-large dress, because Rex Ryan is their coach, and he's wearing it. But the Jets clearly are your Cinderella in this year's playoffs. Oh, without a doubt, especially when there's a one-and-a-two playing, and then also with a one-and-a-five playing, the Jets are the yep. five. So obviously, they're definitely Cinderella. It's kind of funny. A couple years ago, they lost a playoff game, and I forgot who the kicker was because when when you're a foreigner, which is described in my house as a a kicker who misses kicks, Mm -hmm. but uh, (laughs) I forget the name of this particular foreigner because the Chargers cut him, and they decided to waste a second-round pick on Nate Kading a couple years ago. Yes. And you think about it, Nate Kading is the most accurate kicker in the history of the game as of right now, because that always changes. Because, you know, it was like a Lindo Mare for a while, then it was some other guy. You know, it's been a bunch of guys over the last, like, five years, six years. Well, Nate Kading has missed two field goals in playoffs, uh, one in an overtime game a couple years ago when he got in against the Jets. And then this game, he missed three against the Jets. Two were for very close distances. Yeah. So The last one, a particular killer. I mean, a 30-yard easy field goal. And as it turned out, they lost the ball game by three points. And you're right, Nate Kading, a good kicker. But uh, he wears the goat horns for that particular game. Yeah, for two different playoff games, uh, he had gigantic misses. And this is the guy they spent a second-round mm-hmm. pick on. You spend a second-round pick on a, on a kicker, you're expecting big things out of him. Where did he come but, out of? Iowa? Yeah, he came out of Iowa, okay. Coach. All right. Reggie Roby, the great punter, uh, also out of Iowa, one of the best punters of all time. So it's a great kicking school, Iowa University. I don't know how many other NFL players, although uh, one of their running backs uh, played pretty well for the New York Jets, one of the stars of the weekend, Mm -hmm. Sean Green. Great story. And here's a guy, Big Dog, who through his first three years of college football was unheard of. 
And then he has a breakout senior year, right? Can I safely say that before last year in college, nobody ever heard of Sean Green? You know how big of a big of a fan I am of college football, especially Big Ten yes. football. Uh, he his first game uh, against like Iowa State that he had a big game. He ran for like 200 yards, and my first thing was like, who just ran for 200 yards in yeah. Iowa? Yeah. So yes, coach, yes, he was pretty much not very well known in yeah. his first three years. One year that. ago, I mean, literally just over a year ago when college football started, he'd talk about a Cinderella story. For a Cinderella team, and I know he got in some trouble, had some problems. Hopefully, he's cleared that up. But he has the phenomenal well, by the way, senior yeah, no, year. He, he was the first football player to ever get in trouble off the field. Just to let you know, coach. <laughs> in the history of the game. Yeah, he he and Nate Kading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the, the way, getting, to have. getting back to good old Nate. Rough weekend for the Kading family, no doubt about it. But uh, did I hear correctly? The announcers say that he had missed three field goals all, all season year long, and then he missed three in one game. All season long, the wow. guy goes and misses three field goals, and wow. then he has a game like that. Yikes! Yeah, it, it, not good. If you're a if you're a Charger fan, you know what do you what do you expect? You, you have one of the best teams in football year in and year out, and you just know that when January comes, your team's going to lay an egg in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. they didn't play well, Coach. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, no, no matter what you say, you can say the Jets took them out of this and they did all this. Well, you know what? You know, protect your quarterback and do something on offense. Well, I'll yeah, tell just you, shake my head. I'll tell you one thing, Big Dog, a little technical difficulty there, but uh, the defensive back, the cornerback uh, for the New York Jets, he took second in NFL Defensive Player of the Year voting? Yeah, Joe Rivas. Uh, Daryl Rivas. Daryl Rivas. I, you know, I'm not sure where the emphasis is, is Daryl or Daryl Rivas or Revis. That part I don't know. What I do know is that guy's one heck of a defensive player. If I were starting picking teams in the NFL right now, starting a franchise, he'd be a top five pick. That guy's great. Yeah, well, because of the position he plays. I, I agree with you, yeah. Coach. There are some positions like your your cornerback, your quarterback, your your defensive tackles. Those are the guys you'd want. You would take first, and if you're doing something like you were talking about, yeah, then that guy's locked down. The all year long, the Jets put him on the other team's number one receiver. Yep. Every single week, he was on the number one receiver of the other team. He would hold like Moss to 24 yards or Chad Ochocinco to invisibility. You know, mm-hmm. he was doing stuff like that to different players. Mm-hmm. What the Chargers did this week is they lined him up on a different player every single uh, snap of the ball, and it totally confused the Chargers. He was on Nene one play, then he's on Vincent Jackson the next, and next thing you know, he's up underneath uh, Antonio Gates uh, is Anto- in, 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 in the back pocket on all of the field at tight end so mm-hmm. that really that was the first time they did that all year coach and so that uh really messed up the chargers they weren't sure what to do because basically they were told don't throw it anywhere near the kid big upset win for the new york jets i'm looking at one of our two outstanding television screens here big dog and the i uh, can't hear what's going on but the wording underneath screen number two on espn it says rex ryan fully expects jets to defeat indianapolis okay well that's those things just crack me up is that really a story is that really a story that a coach in the playoffs expects yeah. his team to win? Well, I think the yeah, story you know, is on. the story is that he's so brash and it's working for him so far, right? Because he came out in the beginning of the playoffs and they were a wild card team. And what was the, one of the first things he met with his team was post regular season. He passed him out an itinerary of here's where we're going to be staying in each hotel along the way as we win. Oh, and by the way, here's the parade route for the championship. So he's gone that route of brashness. That's the story, Big Dog, and you can't argue. So far it's working for the Rexter. No, I I have absolutely no problem with anything that he's doing. I think it's pretty cool, and I think it's also a way that you have a team that's maybe – 
not sure if they belong in the playoffs because there were questions about this team, whether they belong in the playoffs and all that. And I'm sure the players didn't care. But if that little tiny, that 1% bit of doubt in their head, whether they belong in there or not, mm-hmm. this erased it immediately, immediately. And so because Rex Ryan wants to talk about like, they were just figuring out how to get into the playoffs when they were in the regular season. They made it, and all of a sudden it wasn't, hey, let's just try to get a win, guys. No, no, it's, we're going to the Super Bowl, and this is how we do it. We must win this first game. Uh, you you got to love it. And and if anybody thinks that's, uh, what do you call locker room fodder or uh, like billboard material, do you really think Peyton Manning really cares what the Jets are doing or what they're talking about? Uh, you know, th- he doesn't. The rest of the team doesn't. Uh, and I hate to tell you, Coach, this is where the Cinderella story ends uh, in Indianapolis. Okay, but uh, I got to tell you, the NFL has got to be pretty happy. They get a New York team going up against their number one figure in uh, Peyton Manning, and then you got like this beloved America's team in New Orleans going against, uh, without a doubt, the one of the most derisive people that either if you hate them like me. <laughs> or you love them like you, you're uh, going to watch the game and be totally transfixed by it for three and a half hours. So, uh, I mean, they, they, I couldn't imagine four better teams right now for the NFL to have a Cinderella story, which happens to be New York, which makes it even better, and then all the three most important players in the game right now. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad championship weekend. Indeed, you painted the picture pretty well there, big dog. Folks, you want to talk some NFL football from over the weekend, any of the sports that happened over the weekend, we'll delve into college basketball. Number one gets knocked off yesterday. We'll talk a little Winter Olympics. That's coming up. we got the Australian Open in tennis. A lot of baseball news, too. And we also, sadly, will have our obituaries of the week. Big Dog, uh, 888-463-6748. A lot to get into here in this one-hour show. Again, folks, you want to check in and uh, talk to the Big Dog, talk some football, 888-463-6748. You can always email us at Mike2Guys, that's M-I-C and the number two, Mike2Guys at AOL.com. Let's start at the very beginning, Big Dog. It's less confusing. All the way back to Saturday afternoon, and the New Orleans Saints absolutely took apart a team I thought might be Destiny's Child 2. You remember they were Destiny's Child 1 last year. The Arizona Cardinals laid an egg, and the New Orleans Saints, awfully good. Awfully, awfully good. This is the one game I got right all weekend. And this is to people who have bashed Reggie Bush. I mean, seriously, the guy's one of the best players in the game of football today, and it's his versatility has caused him to people say, oh, look, he's not that good because mm-hmm. he's not, like, dominating at any one particular thing. No, he just does every single thing a football player is supposed to do at an elite level. And, did, and you see him, did you see him pregame? I did not see him pregame, you, but supposedly, from what I was told, they made sure Kim Kardashian didn't get anywhere near him until <laughs> after the game. Very good idea by Sean Payton. They Seriously. did show the Kardashian family, one of which of the three lovely ladies was Kim. I don't know which one was Kim. The, but they the, did show the, her. the one that was only thick. <laughs> what? <laughs> they got some. They got some cushion for the push in there. Those Kardashian girls. Seriously, huh. Kim will wear out Reggie. That's why he can't before games. He can't be anywhere near her. All right, I don't know. That's not the angle I was going to go oh, with, I'm but sorry, you, you might have some inside scoop I'm not aware of. But they showed him before the game. You talk about a player focusing in the zone. He didn't want anybody around him. He was pacing the sidelines, big dog. He was the very essence of a player, totally focused and ready to go, and it certainly transformed, translated into an outstanding performance. He was your POG, player of the game, Reggie Bush. Uh, a lot of times, Coach, you'll see guys acting like that, and that's exactly what it is. It's an act. Acting like they're focused, acting mm-hmm. like they're he, whatever he was doing, he was getting into whatever zone because he played unbelievable. The, his punt return was phenomenal, but that 
run that he had, the 46-yard run, was the, probably the top one of the yeah. top plays that he's had as a pro. And, you know, we've always thought of Reggie Bush, you know, great breakaway speed. But what he showed is moves, and what I haven't seen him do before, he broke tackles. He ran with the, the most, I mean, not that I've watched a ton of Reggie Bush the last couple of years, but that's the hardest I've ever seen him run. He broke a ton of tackles on Saturday. Yeah, that was, uh, he broke a lot of tackles at USC, but yeah, not in the NFL. He really had, and that's, that's a good point, coach. Mm-hmm. And he was breaking tackles on Saturday. And if all of a sudden they, you know, they only gave the guy the ball like 10 times and he had about 250 yards worth of total offense and a couple touchdowns. So he's still fresh. And, uh, so Pierre Thomas can get healthy. They're, they're going to be really, really difficult for, uh, the Vikings to beat. But you know, it's so funny. Just like Brad Childress was saying, before the playoff, before these particular playoff games, Dallas was supposed to run right through Minnesota, you know, and all that. Yeah, New Orleans is supposed to have trouble with uh, with Arizona, and all of a sudden everybody throws it up, and everyone's like, "Oh, Minnesota is supposed to kill New Orleans." So that's what people are saying right now. So mm-hmm. Childress isn't going to play into that. Sean Payton won't play into that. I really do. I think we are going to have a pretty good game, Coach. Yeah, it should yeah, be a, a yeah. well-played game. Yeah, better than pretty good. That has the makings of being a, and, a tremendous game. And well, no one's going to be playing not to lose, if you know what I'm saying, Coach. People are going to be going for the throat in that mm-hmm. game. Well, you got quarterback Drew Brees and you got quarterback Brett Favre. I don't think not to lose is in their mentality. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Definitely. The only way they could play not to lose if one of them brought in ex-Chicago Bear offensive coordinator Ron Turner as a consultant for the playoffs. Then that might happen. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, there's been you, – you know I do not – I'm not a big Brett Favre fan. I think he's a little bit too much for prima donna mm-hmm. and uh, – I don't know. I, I just I, he makes way too many dumb mistakes to be considered as great as he is, like the greatest quarterback. Okay, but him getting so much crap for actually throwing a touchdown pass after the after the Cowboys called timeout, and then Keith Brooking, who I used to like, complaining about it after the game. Be a man. I mean, if you're going to call timeouts to extend the football game, don't be upset when the Vikings score on you. And I can't stand the Vikings, and I don't like Brett Favre. But I what I dislike more in football are people who complain that they're getting picked on. Why did you score the extra touchdown? Well, why did you just call the timeout to play before? Well, I don't know that they were. I mean, I, they weren't complaining about oh, Coach, it. Oh, Coach, after think... the game, Keith Brooking did. Yes, he did. He complained about it. And I was I was embarrassed for him as I saw him speaking. Mm-hmm. He was, he's, like, he's like, you know, uh, I really don't know why they did that. They didn't have to score that touchdown. I was like, what? you didn't have to call the timeout when you were down – 24 the play before mm-hmm. yeah so. the, the timeouts were a little ridiculous in both basketball and football I remind a lot of basketball coaches this uh when there's no chance to win the game don't call timeout you know you're the, down you're down nine points with six seconds left and you hit a three-pointer you know don't with now there's three seconds left don't call timeout did, the you, game's did over. you did you happen to see the the kansas kansas uh, kansas state texas game last night i did not i was shocked to read in the paper number one texas got beaten well, uh, last night, Mahmoud put it on the television. He put it on the telly, as he calls it. The telly. And, uh, at 10-10, yep. there was, there was four minutes and ten seconds to go in the game. The game ended at 10-45. It was, it was pathetic. It was, it was one of the worst things I'd ever seen. Texas just would not let the game go. They were down nine for the last minute and continued to call timeout mm-hmm. and foul and foul and foul. It was, yep. it was. Yep. There, there's a fine line, you know, you have to know. And it can't be written on a piece of paper. It's just an instinct thing. You got to know when there's still a chance, and you want to give your team a chance to make that miracle comeback. But you also have to know, as a coach, when your team is beat, and stop fouling and stop calling timeouts. And again, that's not something that could be written on a sheet of paper, Big Dog. That's instinct and intuition. But apparently, uh, what you're saying is Rick Barnes, the well-coiffed coach, 
of the Texas Longhorn did not exercise that last night. It, it really wasn't that, though, I have to admit, Coach. It seemed like every single team was throwing the ball out of bounds, and then they'd have to reset. Okay. And it was just it was just pretty funny that it was like probably everybody in America that was up last night watching sports mm-hmm. was definitely watching this because they were waiting for Sports Center to come on. Mm-hmm. And it was the exact worst thing you would ever want college basketball to show as their product to all these people. Mm-hmm. It, it, it wasn't a good uh, couple minutes. All right. Well, that can happen. Big dog, speaking of not a good couple of minutes, we're going to take a quick, quick break. Our breaks are even quicker. And then a couple of minutes. Again, our phone number, 888-463-6748. By the way, you can tell your fine roommate, uh, Mahmoud, he was the winner of Beat the Schmoes because I went another one and two dismal weekend. You, and I was counting on you to give some effervescence to the Schmoes, you went equally dismal one and two and are you ready for this? Yes. Paradise. The beautiful, the lovely Paradise, David Olson, who we've come to depend on. When all else fails, 0-3 for Paradise. I gotta, be, I gotta be quite honest with you. Last week you built up Paradise and I just, I was letting you do it, coach. I, Baltimore, I never really trusted her. Baltimore, Arizona, and Dallas. What a brutal weekend for Paradise. Now what does Mahmoud win, coach? Mahmoud is in the running for a cash prize at the end of the season. How about it? Trust me, why don't you just give him like a year supply of falafel? <laughs> How about dental floss? We got plenty about, of that. Well, maybe All a right. toothbrush first. Yeah, like having a, some dental floss is All like right. trying to like, you know, like shampoo a car when there's mud on it. <laughs> All right. We got to get out of here. Quick break back in a minute. Coach of the Big Dog on the TalkZone.com. Calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. And if you're watching via the Internet, the big dog, checking in from his palatial estates in Aurora, Illinois. So it's the coach solo here in the studio, but uh, partnered by the big dog today, the webcasting. Still, I'm a little self-conscious with this thing going on, big dog, especially because during the breaks... When you, you know, could relax a little bit, I usually would, you know, pick my new, pick my nose, maybe clean out my ears, strategically scratch myself or something. Yeah, you would During, blow your nose and look at the, at the, whatever, the rag after you did it every time. Really? Yeah. I was not aware like of you. tendencies I've known about you. Seven years of working together, you never told me that. But now with the webcasting here, I can't do any of those bodily functions. It's very, very disturbing. I may have There's, to leave the studio during the break. 
There's a couple other things that are going to bother people when they actually see you doing the show. They're yeah. going to see the fact that you have uh, a mug. Yes. With and flies will go into the mug and you'll drink Stop. it even Stop. with the flies going in. Okay. What about what about my apple that I eat? The half eaten apple. You're going to have a half eaten apple, and I have to eat an apple really quick before it turns brown. I don't like eating the brown apple. Yeah. Well, you do you eat. It takes you an hour to eat an apple. <laughs> It takes you bites, you well, put the thing down. It next, I mean, it's, I get so busy in the pre-production, I can't eat it. What do you want me to do? Chew it while I'm doing the show? So I have to, you know, find times to bite into the apple. And in fact, it does take me an hour. And you know what? Those brown spots, if you get used to them, you could actually, uh, you know, it's almost like UPS. What can brown do for you? <laughs> Don't knock it till you've tried it. Well. It only takes a couple of minutes to eat an apple. I don't see why you didn't do it no. between the breaks, is all, right. is all I'm saying. I'll much. give my best shot. By the way, during the break, again, joining our extended Twitter family, uh, Big Dog, you'll be happy to know that Manchild Mark, Lazy Lena, and Kick My Glass are now members of our Twitter family. Lazy Lena, huh? Lazy that's Lena? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a, a friend of the program, an old friend of the morning break, as a matter of fact. Really? I don't remember yes. Lazy Lena. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm, she, I'm looking she, forward to meeting Kick My Glass, though. I think that guy sounds interesting. <laughs> and, again, well, we are we are going to have a Twitter party where we invite uh, not necessarily our listeners, but all the people that tweet and have been tweeted or are tweeted. And we're going to have some kind of party where we'll uh, just gather and hold hands with all our Twitter family. Now, I'm not exactly sure how to sign up for all that stuff, but I'm sure it's really easy. Every time I've ever tried to do any of that mm-hmm. stuff, I've been uh, amazed by its, its simplicity, to be quite honest with you. Yes. Though. Well, if I can do it, Big Dog, you know my technical level. So if I can do it, anybody can, and uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to meet Manchild Mark at the Twitter party. Uh, where is this place going to be, the Twitter <laughs> party, by the way? And can I get public transportation to and fro? I think what you're going to need is security. Uh, okay, hopefully they'll be able to drive me then. Yeah, I'm still worried about, who's that guy, uh, Colonel Manders from last week? Slightly disconcerted. No, well, yeah, what was his quote? What did he want to know? Uh, you know what, I'm not sure I can repeat it over the air. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, do we actually have limitations to what we can say? On tweeting? I'm or, not sure. Or, or right now. Oh, you, on the internet? You know, I don't yes. know the full, I've, you know, read the rule book here, you know, David Olson gave me the, before I started, like an 85 page rule book with paragraphs oh, and. He didn't actually make you read it like no. he did? God, no. I oh, used to referee, nice referee basketball, baseball, football. That's good. That's, Never that's, read a rule book in my life. Rule books have the most confusing articles ever printed. Very close to the Bill of Rights. Uh, well, that's that's why lawyers have jobs, coaches, because huh? of rule books. Yeah, I always that's say, what they're there for. in my opinion, uh, and again, 888-463-6748, phone lines are open here if you want to talk to the big dog and coach, a couple of user-friendly guys, but I always say the best officials, the best referees, big dog, are not the ones who memorize everything in the rule book, but instead the ones that have played the game, they know the game from a player's perspective. They know the nuances of the game, what to call, when to call it, when not to call it. That's the best officials, my opinion, not the guy who memorizes Rule 3, Article 2, Section 5 of uh, Paragraph 6. Now you got to have both. you got to have guys that know all the rules and, and the ones that know how to apply them, Coach. Rules are overrated. No, you know, we can get into this debate mm-hmm. because, quite honestly, I mean, I, I think that's the, what, what makes the games beautiful. Is like in a closed situation, you have to call all the rules and all the fouls and, and oh, everything the way you're supposed to. Don't get me started. Don't get me started, Big Dog. I don't know. I, wanna, I don't know if I want to go down this road right now because I do what? disagree with you. But you know, we could spend the next 
half an hour and probably well into tomorrow's show debating. <laughs> let's let's hold off on that one for right now because we still got you know was it, you know maybe for a slower sports day. How about that? Okay, that sounds right, good because there's plenty going on. Can we quickly move on to game number two? We talked about New Orleans absolute thrashing of the Arizona Cardinals, forty-five to fourteen. The final score there, game two on Saturday. If I got my order correct, the Indianapolis Colts beat the Baltimore Ravens and. Big no, my comment on this one, a lot of the stuff I read afterwards was that Indianapolis dominated the game. They were clearly the better team. Not the game that I watched. And I watched it from start to finish. It was referees' calls. It was unfortunate turnovers. But I thought the Baltimore Ravens were right there. Indianapolis did not look all that powerful to it, me. It was it was a really close game. Yeah. It was a lot closer than people think. Uh, it really wasn't closer than people think. At 20-3, to, to three, they, they just kept it there. And, and Indianapolis... Definitely played not to lose the football game coach. Yes. They tried not to do anything stupid and they really weren't attacking like they did early to get the lead, which I really liked what they were doing. So it was a little weird. Indianapolis hadn't played like that way in a long time, to be honest with you, coach, but maybe they just felt that Baltimore's offense wouldn't do anything against them. And you have to admit, Baltimore's offense didn't really do anything. They, they didn't sustain any type of drive whatsoever. And uh, without a doubt, the play of that game was made by uh, an yes. Indianapolis wide receiver, and that was by Pierre Garçon. One of, one of my favorite plays, not just of the weekend. This might go down as 2010 top ten highlight. Describe yeah, a por well, favor. Well, the, the, the top play for me is Robert Meacham when he actually stole. The, he was the saint who stole the ball from the Redskin uh, earlier this year after an interception. This play very similar. Okay. Peyton Manning makes a horrible read. Ed Reed comes flying over, intercepts a pass. It might have been his last game. He's actually thinking about retirement. Well, Ed Reed starts flying up the sidelines. He's one of the best return men in the history of uh, of the NFL coach. Him uh, and Troy Palomalu are the two of the best at getting it in the end zone after they intercept it. Yep. And Garcon comes flying out of nowhere, the guy who the ball was intended to. He didn't do the Mushin Muhammad in the Super Bowl uh, against the Colts and just watch somebody score a touchdown after the ball was intercepted mm-hmm. in front of him. He actually busts his butt, flies down the field, and with his uh, right hand as hard as he possibly pops the ball out, Coach, uh, of Ed Reed's hand from behind. Mm-hmm. And it goes right into Dallas Clark's hands, and the Colts, right then you were like, oh, they're winning this football game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was such a momentum swing. It was unbelievable. You know, and and the, I, I don't know that I had ever heard of, of uh, Pierre Garçon before. But Are you serious? He, you know, sorry. He, I he's a Division three football player, okay. Coach, and he was one of those guys that never got a chance, and – uh, in, in college, and all of a sudden, you know, he grew up a little bit because he was really small, and all of a sudden, they're like, hey, you know what? The guy can actually play because, he, you know, he was a little bit smaller when he was 17. Has he been a starter for the uh, Indianapolis Colt all season long? And he's been awesome, Coach. Okay. Yeah, he's he's legit. He's going to end up being a guy that mm-hmm. that le- every year, if he stays healthy, catches at least 80 passes. And he's got the great name, too. I mean, come on, Pierre Garçon. Yeah, okay, I, no, I, honestly... I want you to think, uh, it's, before you go on anything, I want you to think about something. He's African American. Well, he's not African American because he's not from here, and he's got a French name. So, where do you think he's from? Well, having said that, you're probably going to tell me Germany. No, Haiti. Haiti, really? Yeah, he's got he's got family down there right now that he's dealing go. with too. So he's he was playing with a heavy heart. So you you, mm-hmm. you got to like a guy. You know what I mean? You know, normally when you're, I'm going to play for all my people that are down there, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, for them today. And well, he really meant it because he's flying around, popping balls out, uh, you know, mm-hmm. hustle plays are the type of plays that win. Yeah, and that, that wasn't just a hustle play. I mean, that was beyond a hustle play. When coaches talk in the locker room about, you know, extra effort guy, guys, and, you know, play every play into the whistle, give it all you got, all those coaching cliches, it's easy to say in the locker room, you want to have visual evidence 
of what it means to absolutely give everything you got and play every play because you never know what's going to happen. That was the play that coaches could videotape and show their players because like you so aptly described, the odds of him catching Ed Reed were about 2%. He could have easily just stood there and watched the intercept. Dead sprint. Dead sprint, never gave up, never gave up, never gave up. And at the end of the play, sure enough, he's able to catch Ed Reed and punch it loose. That was outstanding. I hope a lot of young kids were out there uh, watching that play because in, in any sport, a play like that, Joel, can, uh, can uh, transfer into that kind of hustle. Yeah, and I hope uh, GMs also uh, watch that play and realize that maybe maybe there's great talent at that particular level. Maybe there was a couple other people like Pierre Garçon who never got a chance to play. Mm-hmm. I just throw that out there. Throw All right. There. So big win for uh, Indianapolis. Again, it wasn't dominant. There are a couple of questionable referee calls, but the Ravens go down to defeat the great offense barely, barely over the great defense of the Baltimore Ravens. We move to Sunday, big dog. Minnesota and Dallas, everybody picked a uh, you know, pretty close game. Should be a great matchup. The Dallas Cowboys, the hottest team in football, along with San Diego coming into it. I don't know, you know, 34 to 3, maybe it was a little closer than that, but the bottom line is the Vikings all over your Dallas Cowboy. Uh, you, you know, something I want to say is I'm really not a big Brad Childress fan, but he must be doing something right, coach, because, you know, we were talking like last week in one of the shows we did about how it seems like the Chicago Bears never have people open. Everything is such a, it's such a hard completion I, or it has to be like that's a perfect pass. I've been saying that for about 15 years here in yeah. Chicago. Was every single Viking completely wide open when they caught the ball? You know, you can't say Sidney Rice really had a, a great game because, uh, well, he did make that great play on where, where he dove with his legs and then got up and, and then drifted to the middle of the field after Favre extended the play. But, you know, most of the plays, the Vikings are wide open or, or you know, Adrian Peterson, maybe it does help because you have Adrian Peterson and it's you have to have so many people in the, the box to defend them and it opens everything mm-hmm. else up, but... It's it's so easy for the Minnesota Vikings, and it continued against a defense that everybody said was playing the best in the NFL. And what's amazing about it is uh, the aforementioned running back, Anthony Peterson. Here's a guy coming into the season. And again, if you're just joining us, folks, two guys at MikeTalkZone.com. Our phone lines are open. You want to talk some football from over the weekend, any of the sports that went on, or jump off the sports page. We're right here for you. 888-463-6748. You can email in at Mike. Two guys at AOL.com. But here is, uh, you know, the best running back in the NFL coming into the season, Big Dog. Mm-hmm. And they win against a very good Dallas team, 34 to 3. And Anthony Peterson. Adrian. Was like, huh? Adrian. Thank you. Adrian <laughs> Peterson was like a, uh, like an apostrophe, like a semicolon. He yeah, was an afterthought. He was a non factor. They win 34 3. And the best running back in the NFL, maybe, was no part of the offense. Yeah, but coach, he is, he is exactly what the offense starts with. And the fact that, the fact that you have to play him and you have to put eight guys in the box, that you have to creep people up, that you have to make sure that you're shutting him down opens everything else up. So yeah, he is an afterthought, but okay. technically he's where it starts. Okay. Chester, I mean, Chester Taylor was more of a running threat. Uh, yeah, because I, when I Chester, thought Chester Taylor, Taylor comes in, I thought he's not playing the run. Okay. I mean, that really is when Adrian Peterson's in the game, you have 11 people on the field saying, so, oh, here we go. We have to he, make sure this guy does not kill us. So oh, what you're passing. saying is even though he didn't perform that well, he makes everybody else better. With, I mean, him more than any person in the whole NFL, mm-hmm. more than even Chris Johnson uh, of the Tennessee Titans, of any running back, you have to pay attention to Adrian Peterson. They're not game planning for Chester Taylor? 
Uh, no, coach. When they're, when Jester Taylor's on the, on the field, they're, everybody puts their hand across their brow and wipes it and it goes, whew. Okay. They, yeah, Chester Taylor isn't scaring anybody, uh-huh. even though he's a decent running back. I'll be honest with you, Nina. Here I am admitting as a, uh, highly respected sports talk host. Go ahead and hit the laugh track, David Olson. I had no idea who Pierre Garcon was. And also I had thought, uh, that Minnesota running back Chester Taylor, I thought he'd like been retired for about five years. I was shocked when he came in the game. Uh, no, he gets his uh, 600 yards uh, rushing and 400 yards receiving every year, Coach. Mm-hmm. N- never fails, every year. All right. All right, there it is. Minnesota all over the uh, Dallas Cowboys, 34-3. to And the other thing about that game, I had my notes, Big Dog, the pass rush. I mean, they absolutely attacked on a regular basis. Tony Romo had no time to throw. Great defensive scheme by the Purple. Do you know? Do you know who I hate, Coach? But every time I watch him, uh, Cloudy and I were talking about this yesterday. What Jared is Allen? Jared Allen? I hate that Ooh, guy. He's Cannot good. stand him. And every time I watch him on the field, I'm just thoroughly impressed. Yeah. And every time I see him on television, I laugh the yeah. whole time. Yeah. When when they ask where he's from on Monday Night Football, he says culinary school. Okay. <laughs> he showed up for the game yesterday in Daisy Dukes and a wife beater uh-huh. that had uh, stains on it. You know, everybody else like uh, like uh, Ray Lewis has his ten thousand dollar suit on. You know, uh, Ed Reed looks like a homeless man from his chin up, but he's wearing, you know, but he's wearing a suit, or sometimes he's wearing his baggy stuff. Uh-huh. You know, this guy shows up in Daisy Dukes, coach. He had crotch huggers on, like his butt was hanging out of his pants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what? He he can show up dressed any way he wants. I've watched him play enough. <laughs> Other defensive linemen, you know, will have good games. You know, will have some games when they rush the quarter. Every game you watch the Minnesota Vikings, Jared Allen is always consistently making big plays, hurrying the quarterback, sacking the quarterback. He is the most consistent, I think, defensive end playmaker in all of NFL. I, I, yeah, he is. He's uh, the, right now. Nobody makes more plays than him. Uh, you know, he, I don't think I don't. He's not the best defensive end in the league. I mean, I wouldn't agree with that, but he definitely makes more plays. But you can run the football his way, though, Coach. That's mm-hmm. the thing. But luckily for him, he's got the, the Williams wall next to him, and that really you know, stops people from running too much at him. Mm-hmm. All right. Minnesota knocks off Dallas. And then uh, the final game, we talked about it before, the Cinderella comes to the forefront. San Diego Chargers had the lead early, but then they just went flatline, big dog. And you could see they were trying to pick it up. By the way, the San Diego Charger fans, I, you know, I thought they were a little more laid back, the San Diego fan. I knew the Viking fans were going to be crazy. Huh. New Orleans Saints fans, they're, uh, you know, they got a pretty good reputation. But boy, the San Diego fan, they turned out in full force. Great crowd, but the Chargers could just never elevate to the level, quite frankly, of where their fans were. The Chargers, the Charger, did you hear them booing the Chargers during yeah, the game? Yeah, late in the game. I, I got to tell you something. San Diego fans are notoriously some of the worst in sports. But I, I just you, didn't think there was that passion. For well, football in San Diego, that place well, was yo, packed. That's, I mean, think about it, Coach. They have the Padres and they have the Chargers. Well, but and what they all, have is 75-degree okay. weather and beaches. Nobody gets excited about football in San and, Diego. And, Coach, think about it. Orange County is really close to San Diego. And Orange County used to have the, the L.A. Rams. They don't have them anymore. Okay. The Raiders you know, were there for a while. They don't have any football. So it's not just San Diego. Okay. It's Orange County. And even a little bit of L.A. County. So you get a lot of people, a gigantic area, metropolitan area of people. So you are going to get some devout fans there. But the San Diego fans, like when they start booing, I, I, they don't, I don't feel bad for them not winning a Super Bowl because the fans really don't deserve it there. I, they, you know, I always try to judge it by whether their fans deserve it or not. They got that beautiful weather, and then they act mm-hmm. like that at football games. 
And ever since 1984 and what they did to the what they how they acted towards Cub fans, I've mm-hmm. always had a thing against San Diego fans. So I have to admit, I speak biasly. Here. Right. You might be talking against me because uh, five or six years down the road, San Diego right now is ranked number three on my list of places to retire to. So well, that sounds good. And like I said, I have no problem with you living down there. I have okay. cousins that live there, and I guarantee you, they were Cubby Blue still to this okay. day. So so right I can on. live in San Diego as long as I still root. For my Chicago team. Yeah, if you go to a Padre game, I'm sure you're not gonna like you're not gonna whip it out and shake it at somebody like those Padre fans have been known to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I would certainly hope not. <laughs> yeah, I would hope you would. Would do certainly that. hope not. All right, <laughs> control yourself over there, will you, please? David Olson telling us we got to take a break. Our final break. When we come back, Big Dog obituaries of the week. Sadly, we have three to report. We also want to mention Martin Luther King Day and get into some other sports real quick. The Australian Open, uh, and I know the always exciting Cub Convention was held over the weekend. We'll talk about that for about eight or nine seconds. Back in a minute. TalkZone.com. to get back to two guys and a mic your mid-morning break sports talk show once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joe radwanski on talkzone.com all right final segment of the talkzone.com two guys and a mic show big dog checking in from his palatial estates out in aurora by the way dave when i knew joe before i had told him uh, the statistic that uh, 90 percent 90% 90% of all accidents happen around the house. So you know what Joel did? He moved. Great story. Thank you for that. It hasn't really worked for me, Coach. No, apparently not. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Real quick, we have three obituaries to bring up, Big Dog. Uh, first, it happened about four or five days ago. We were remiss to not mention it here on the show. He's got a little bit of a sporting twist to his obit. But uh, the great singer, Teddy Pendergrass passing away at the young age of 59 about uh, five days ago. And he was the one, correct me if I'm wrong, Big Doug, who created the song, the NCAA March Madness One Shining Moment song. No, right? no, I don't think that was Luther that wasn't Vandross. Teddy. Oh, you're right. That was, I'm pretty sure that was Luther Vandross. You're but right. But Teddy Pendergrass is the one that, hey, hold on, hold on, it was that guy. That was Teddy. <laughs> you want to do that again? Give me, give me that one more time. Somehow I think he made it sound a little bit better than that. That's why he was so famous. But he was also um, kind of a, a slightly later version of Barry White. I mean, his his voice in his younger years, the females, it kind of uh, 
made them melt. I guess at his concerts and stuff, the women would throw all kinds of artifacts. That's up on why. Stage. That's why I yelled, "Hey, girl, throw your panties on the stage." That's what I had him singing, Coach. Did you hear that? I did not. Okay, there you go. That was the Teddy Pendergrass version. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Obituary number two, Big Dog. I don't know how much you've spent over the years at your local Taco Bell. I'm gonna guess it's been a fair amount, but uh, Glenn Bell, Glenn Bell Jr., who created. The Taco Bell, the owner and original owner, I should say the original owner of Taco Bell, passing away over the weekend at the uh, age of 86. Who said Mexican food is not good for your health? 86 yeah, yeah. years old. It, 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 Mexican food is probably, the, of all the fast food, minus Subway, mm-hmm. uh, Taco Bell is the best for you, Coach, without a doubt. And it's the cheapest out of all of them. I, yeah. I can't tell you back in the day how many times I've eaten at Taco Bell. I mm-hmm. mean, at least a thousand times in my life I've eaten at a Taco yeah. Bell. I know I've consulted with our... Uh, TalkZone.com doctor, Dr. Arno Schwarzenegger, uh-huh. and he would disagree with you. He says, uh, no, in fact, Taco Bell, one of the worst fast food places you can go to. At least it doesn't have the bread, Coach. Well, it's got the tortilla. Well, uh, I, I usually get the corn-shelled ones, all the hard stuff. I get like five tacos. Uh-huh. and you know. So, yeah, the tortillas are bad for you, too. It's just basically lard <laughs> thrown into yes. a pile of flour. Yes. And then they pull the lard out, and they pat it down, and then... Mm-hmm. They cook it for a little bit, and it comes out of tortilla. Tortillas, people don't realize, are about 95% fat. Yes. That's why my favorite Mexican place now, Chipotle, I now no longer. I I used to get the uh, burrito. But after your description, which absolutely revolted me, and it probably has many listeners Uh out there to the talks, and we are America's number one breakfast show, folks, as long as you're not not eating breakfast. Um but uh, another one of my favorites was always the Mexican rice. I used to love the rice. I hate beans. So I would always ask, you know, the side, they give one side beans, one side rice. No beans, give me a double shot of rice. And I used to love it. But then you hopefully correctly described to me exactly what that Mexican rice is. No, it's just basically the grease from the the, the flavored meat. Because, like, you know, they, they flavor the meat with, what, like, the, the adobe spices, the chili spices and all that stuff. Uh-huh. And then... Like, whatever's left, you know, they squeeze it out, and uh, they, they put that over the white rice. Because it's white rice, Coach. You're killing so it's a, When people get Mexican rice or Spanish uh-huh. rice, sometimes they're thinking, oh, I'm getting a different color rice, so yes. it's better on the glycemic index that, and all that stuff. What, that's it, what I thought before talking to you. It's white rice dyed in animal fat. Oh, <laughs> but it's so, delicious, isn't it? It's, it's part, it? well, it is, but I can't eat it anymore after your description. It's part disgusting, and it's part uh, very aggravating, very, very disappointing, because I used to love it so much. But thank you. Thank well, I'm not. I'm told it. now it isn't really animal fat. I'll have to. I'm going to find out the exact mm-hmm. contents. You're going to have to stick around, and I'll okay. be. I'll come back later this week, yeah. and I'll explain what it is. Go At ahead. any rate, one thing we do know: Glenn Bell, great, great American, Glenn Bell Jr., 86 years old, creator of Taco Bell, passing away over the weekend. Finally, and most sadly of all, at the age of 26, Chicago Bear defensive end Gaines. Adams, do I get the name correct? Yeah, yeah you got it right, Coach. Adams, sadly, tragically passing away, and there's uh, still some mystery to how it happened, but apparently an enlarged heart picked up. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, this is really, it's a really a tragic story, Coach. Do you remember when we were doing our old show, when he was coming out of college, I was talking about him and Kelvin Johnson, I was like, these two are like the best, they're freaks, they're like the greatest athletes at playing their positions that I've seen in years, mm-hmm. you know, and both of them really have been up and down, like Gaines Adams hasn't, he was traded for a second round pick, so obviously he didn't live up to what they wanted in Tampa Bay, but I thought the Bears, hopefully, were going to be able to do something really good with this guy, and if, did you see his highlights, have you seen his highlight package after he died? I have not. His highlights are incredible, I mean, do you remember the interception he had against, uh, 
uh, was it Brian Greasy when he was playing for the Buccaneers and then he returned it for a touchdown? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's had some really incredible uh, highlights. So it, it's just a sad, sad, sad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you wonder? Uh, hopefully, there's. And, and you're a fitness expert here. Is there any thought? And I'm sure they'll do some investigation that. You know, the Bears are trying to beef him up and get him a little bit bigger and stronger so he could play defensive. And there's a lot of pressure on the Bears to make sure that they've had so many bad picks in recent years. Do you think maybe they were uh, force-feeding a little bit too much and that had something to do with it, all the strength gain and the weight gain because Gaines Adams, the defensive end, was a bit undersized? And I'm sure yeah, they'll they, investigate they, that. They did want him to put on like 15 pounds. And uh, what I w- wanted them really to do is leave Gaines Adams exactly the way he was, fire Lovey Smith and bring in a team to run a 3-4 and put Gaines Adams as a stand-up weak side linebacker. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, you know, we're... You know, that's, we're not saying that's what caused him to die was him force feed him and try to get him big. You, you never know, coach. I, I really, I would be surprised mm-hmm. that if that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other part of it that's come out and we've heard more and more of this in recent years. And I think this tragic death is going to uh, increase the call for it. And that is the testing, the medical testing of uh, a, a, a numerance for the enlarged heart. In other words, can they see that in a regular physical? What kind of testing needs to be done in particular for athletes? You're hearing about that more and more, Big Dog. I don't know if you have any insights with your medical people. No, no, no. That's a, it's a really good point, coach, because if you think about it, like what I was talking about, how great an athlete him and Calvin Johnson were coming out in that draft. Right. The, that's the point. If you saw Gaines Adams, the guy was just, he had like the perfect body. He, who would ever thought that he had anything wrong with him, a defect well, yeah, this, in his this, body? Because he is legitimately had maybe one of the, the greatest bodies ever coming into well, the NFL. I think we all agree the size and the strength of your body, it doesn't have any effect to whether you might have a predisposition for an enlarged heart. The question I'm asking you and your medical people, because I know you're deeply immersed with uh, medical expertise, big dog, is through a regular physical, can that be seen? And if not... What needs to be done? What testing so that that can be discovered and hopefully prevent future uh, tragedies? Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the exact uh, procedure is in order to find out for a for for a heart check is. But here's what they're going to have to do. This is what they are going to do, Coach. I hate to tell you, but you're going to get mad at me when I describe it this way. But uh, what they're going to do is they're going to figure out the cost of actually looking for an enlarged heart in all their physicals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if it's less expensive than actually what it would cost for them to like pay out for life insurance or, or contracts for these guys, then they then they will do it. If it's more expensive for them to check the hearts than it would be to pay it out to them mm-hmm. after they die, then they won't do it. Would the same thing apply to regular people and regular jobs? With a hundred percent is exactly what I'm talking about, Coach. Okay. It's like how they that's like how they decide if they should do a recall for a car, mm-hmm. depending on how often it'll happen in a car and all how much how many millions they'll have to pay those families compared to what it'll cost to recall. That's how they decide whether to do a recall or not, Coach. Okay. You know, right. so I hate to say it's it's it can, people when it comes to like insurance and money and tests for medical stuff. I hate to tell it to everybody, but this world is evil. So they're not looking out for your best interest. They're looking out for how yeah. much it will save the insurance company's money. I think I could save our uh, auspices here at thetalkzone.com, however much it might cost, 500 bucks or 1000 bucks, because uh, with our general manager, the commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting, the guy who signed us to our contract, Joel, definitely could uh-huh. save 1000 You do not have to check on Chris for an enlarged heart, believe me. <laughs> believe me. He may have some medical conditions. That would not be one of them. All right. <laughs> Very quickly, any other obituaries I missed? 
I certainly hope you did not, Coach. I'm sure I did, but uh, we move on very, very quickly. By the way, I have to mention this before the show comes to a close. I did watch our beloved Bull play the Golden State Warriors. I don't know how many NBA fans we have out there. This guy might be the most exciting player in the NBA. More exciting than Kobe Bryant. More exciting. I didn't say better, but more exciting to watch than LeBron James. Monta Ellis. Of Monte. The goal, huh? Monte. Whatever. Of okay. the Golden State Warriors is unbelievable. To He's a combination of Allen Iverson and... The best way I can, Allen Iverson and David Thompson, the great college player from North Carolina State. Oh, that, that's, no, no, coach. You can't, he's not that good. Uh, well, that I said a combo because he's got the penetration and the quick, actually, and he's got a much better outside shot than Iverson. The guy's unbelievable. Oh, he, I agree with you there. He's got, he's got the mid-range shot of Darren Williams. Well, maybe not that good. Maybe not that good. But he's, he's really, he does have that 15 foot jump shot. He, he missed a lot yesterday. He did not have a good game not yesterday bad. whatsoever. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? He was 14 of 39 hey, yesterday, dog, Coach. You can give me any statistic you want. I watched that game with my bare eyes, if I could use that expression. He was unbelievable. He had a great game. I would game. say un- he's had a lot better games this year, to be quite well, honest then, with you. Then he's even I, better I, than That I was thought. like his worst game he's had in a month. Mm-hmm. How about this? I, how, about, how about the guy from L? Here's the comparison. The guy from LSU who started off as Chris Jackson and then... Um, Mahmoud Abdul-Alaruf. God bless you. That, he's a combination of Mahmoud, Alamuhu, Alahenu, Baruch, Aratoy, Alahenu. By the, by the way, that was my roommate's favorite player growing up. And and big, big, he still was upset he wouldn't stand during the national anthem. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's because of that, he got hit with rocks yeah. and stuff, and he didn't even do anything. Yeah. I didn't, have, I didn't have Mahmoud. a problem with that, by the way. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He didn't distract others. It was his own personal decision. Yes. Not, not to, because there was something controversial that had just happened with the country. I forget it. Was it a war or something? Something had just happened, and then the rest of the team stood up at the national anthem. He decided to sit and not stand. He was upset with his country at the time. I wasn't thrilled with it, but I didn't. No, it was, he did it all the time, coach. He did it every time, right. and there was really nothing going on. He just said that uh, Muslims weren't being treated properly in okay. the United States. All right. And he said this from his uh, $4 million estate That's home. Funny. Well, <laughs> that could be a problem. But you know what? Yeah. It was a silent protest. If he would have distracted others or you know, gotten in the way of other people standing for the national anthem and giving their allegiance to their country, that would have bothered me. A silent protest by him? You know, that's okay. Yeah, very rarely did he take a flag before a game, wrinkle it up, and throw it exactly. on the ground and rub it in. I don't think he did that very exactly. often. Exactly. So, yeah, but that's yeah. bringing up whole history. The point I'm trying to make is Monte, Monta, Monta, Monte. Monte Ellis, coach. Monte Ellis is one hell of a player. What college did he go to? It, it was a smaller school. He was, he's been good for two years. I mean, this isn't, you know, he's yeah, at Golden I mean, State. Know, that's I, why nobody knows yeah, where he is. Yeah, I read in the paper, Monte Ellis, you know, 28 point, 32 point. And I've seen some highlights. Yeah. This is the first game I've watched from start to finish. And I'm telling you, he, he might be the most exciting player in all the NBA. What's your cable package, coach? That's a little personal. Okay. Well, I just, just tell, let everybody know. Just whisper it. <laughs> What's my cable? I have, uh, Comcast. Okay, you don't get the NBA network? <laughs> Put NBA TV on uh, after 10 o'clock I, I every day. I don't have time for the NBA. I watch the Bulls. Well, you, you'll you just see the Monte Ellis highlights. I'm telling you something. Okay. The guy's unbelievable. That's a good that's a good channel, by the way. And that's right with the MLB network and the mm-hmm. NHL network. It's uh, I like that stuff. All right. Beautiful. Big Dog, so many other things to get into. We have 
run out of time. You got about to 20 seconds. Any other items on your notepad you want to get to, my friend? Uh, no, we've touched on them all, coach. We really have. Uh, no, I really didn't. There's, there's there was really nothing that, I, I mean, we just needed to talk football. Yeah. Well, I wanted it. to bring up Johnny Weir and the figure skating and his, some of his outfits at the, uh, World Figure Skating Championships in Spokane, Washington. We'll have to save that for another day. I have to admit, I really haven't seen any of the girls that have caught my eye this year, and I'm really upset. I don't think there's any of them over 18 this year. How <laughs> about cool yourself off and watch men's figure skating for a little bit, will you, please? Uh, no, Coach. Uh, men's figure skating, seriously. You ever get caught watching men's figure skating? If you were alone at the time, mm-hmm. uh, you would have some explaining to do. I enjoy men's figure skating. I enjoy women's, too. I don't watch it. I watch it once every four years during the Olympics, but I happen to enjoy it, men and I- or women. I watch women's figure skating whenever I can get it, especially if Susanna Poikio is involved. Take it easy. In the case of Johnny Weir, you can watch men's and women's figure skating. All right. We got to sign off. Have a great day, everybody. TalkZone.com. It's the coach and the kid, Big Dog. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 o'clock a.m. Have a great day, everybody.